They could have chosen to follow the three of us all the way across the country in our insulated Abuela Express, kept us off guard with the kind of paranoia that sets in when you know someone is after you, but you don't know why for sure. All you've got to work with is merely conjecture, which tends to only feed into the paranoia. But that's not what they did. What they did was far more sinister, far more in keeping with the opposition's determination to suck the life out of all that is good and noble and pure. Which Simone was before they decided to go after her in advance of our arrival, pave the way for as bumpy a landing as possible. She was in a fight to the death. No matter how hard she fought, though, she couldn't overcome her opponent's strength. He seemed to have come out of nowhere, yet once she saw him, it was like he'd always been there. The only move she knew to use against him gave her just the edge she needed. Hey, look, over there, she shouted as she thrust her knee into his groin. The momentary distraction, followed by the flash of pain across his face, did the trick. She followed it up by shoving him hard enough to get just beyond his reach. It let her put the distance between them she needed to get out of the house and run. Glancing over her shoulder as she sprinted down the driveway, she saw him standing on the front lawn his open mouth nothing but a gaping chasm of darkness. A flood of sticky, pitch-black water poured forth from that darkness, and she knew he was its master. It was aimed directly at her, and without knowing how or why, she understood that his sole task in life was to control it and all it consumed. She also knew she couldn't let the water touch her. It was poison. The word wormwood came to her as she turned her gaze forward and ran faster than she knew she could, down the driveway, past the mailbox, and across the street to the wide, deep lawn of the closest neighbor, and then the next, and the next, from one lawn to another, as the landscape turned from the Eureka she knew as home with its semi-wooded hills to the kind of sprawling suburban neighborhood she'd seen in movies where the narrator talks about his idyllic childhood. All the while, this monstrous evil was there, pursuing her and anyone else who stood up to him as neighbors came out of their tract homes and tried to represent. As she passed the last house on her street, he caught up with her before she could disappear around the corner. As he grabbed her again, she was reminded of how massive his strength was. Even with the combined efforts of all her neighbors, she knew they could not overcome his force. Simone wrestled free from his grip and began to run again, screaming to the others not to try to fight him any more. We can regroup when we're safe and can come up with a plan, she screamed. But it was too late. 
He had turned to them after she broke free and corralled them. Their blood swirled in the black water as it swallowed their perfect lawns. It flowed like blood-streaked lava toward her, threatening to pool around her red Chuck Taylors. She was paralyzed with indecision. Go to them and stand at their side and die with them, or run. The only decision that made sense was to withdraw. For Simone, the only place she could withdraw to from dreams like this was waking life. And since they'd turned dark like this one, what she woke to was the same pool of sweat she'd been hoping she'd get used to. She lay in the dark with her eyes closed, not wanting to face the inevitability of the sparkly dust that had been filling the room at night since she fell down the rabbit hole on the hollow net. There was no in-between place for her. Lay in the dark with eyes closed and wonder what wormwood is, or open them and think about smart dust. Ordinarily, it was the kind of thing she'd get up and do an online search of. But ever since that trip down the hollow net, she'd been reluctant to spend much time at all on the Internet. She'd tried briefly to learn what she could about smart dust after Marina mentioned it, but what little she found scared her worse than the rage swallows from Hitchcock Hell. She had the feeling looking up Wormwood would do the same. And since she had no way of knowing whether she was on the real Internet or an Internet created just for her, she had no reason to think whatever she found was not put there for the sole purpose of messing with her head. In withdrawing from her online presence, she'd lost all interest in her YouTube channel and in filming the paranormal activity in the house. Her lack of interest in it seemed to have encouraged it to run rampant, but none of it compared to what was banging around in her head. So she lay there going over the dream, hoping to figure out what it was trying to tell her. But all she could come up with was how much she doesn't belong in nice houses with perfect lawns and white-bred families standing together in the face of adversity. She couldn't see past that one thing, and it ate at her like that sore at the back of your mouth you can't stop needling with your tongue. I wake with a start to the gentle rumbling of tires on pavement that had lulled me to sleep. The Abuela Express was just beginning northward on the Redwood Highway, and Simone is feeling even more alone than usual. 
Would I ever get used to this thing Marina is calling shared dreams? I know what she'd say. Get over it. I look over where she sleeps curled up on the bench seat closest to her mother and see a child. Yet the wisdom that comes from her level of awareness transcends chronological age in a way I've never encountered. Nearly a week will have passed by the time we've made our way across the country and rolled into Eureka, and despite repeated attempts to contact her, Simone has been silent the entire time. At each stop, Marina steps out from this rolling Faraday cage and checks her email on her cell phone. Nothing. This much I know for sure. Simone can withdraw from every aspect of her life except the dreams that torment her. And I know this because our dream worlds are tangled up in this cycle of shared dreams. We're linked in a way she can't possibly know, and I'm only just beginning to wrap my head around. Until we get to her, there is no one she can discuss any of it with. Through those dreams, I know she and Wallace haven't spoken since that day she fell down the rabbit hole with the hollow net. I also know she's not just withdrawing from her home life and school. She stopped videotaping the paranormal activity in that house. And the house knows it. Marina's awake. I watch her stretch before she checks in with her mom at the wheel and then saunters to the back of the bus to where I lay scribbling in my dream journal. She's smiling. She's always smiling. So I guess you want to know about Wormwood, she grins. I do wish you'd stop doing that, Marina. Of all the drugs that could harm the daemon of someone on the psychic spectrum, she continues, ignoring me. Bitterness is by far the most destructive. I get it. Really, I do. No one understands better than I do how damaging it is to have someone make you question your own sanity, to mistrust your perception of reality, whether gaslighting or gang-stalking or both. Simone's been through a shit show, alone. But what I don't get is characterizing bitterness as a drug. Marina explained, You go through hell losing your family. Then you go through hell in the system that's supposed to be there to care for you and protect you. It doesn't. There is literally no one in that system you can trust but you're forced to in order to survive. Finally, you find a place where things seem like they might be okay. Maybe some foster parents who aren't so bad, and a sibling who gets you. You let your guard down, start to unpack all the padding you've wrapped around your heart to shield it from any more pain. Life starts to seem like it just might not suck so bad after all. And then wham, shit hits the fan and you're back to where you started. A door slammed in your face, an indifferent response to an urgent request, 
Something monstrously bigger than you and oh so confusing eats what trust you'd built up, and you're left with a complex mixture of disappointment, disgust, anger, and fear. The most dangerous cocktail there is. More addictive and infinitely more dangerous than any other drug in existence. That's bitterness. Simone has been pushed to the edge again and again in her twelve short years on this planet, and what the opposition has done to her is the equivalent of shouting at her with a bullhorn. Jump! But why, I wondered. She's just a kid. She's just a kid with a platform that legitimizes psychic powers, she says. What's worse, it legitimizes females with agency over those powers. Why would that matter, I ask? Marina didn't skip a beat as she explained that the opposition must first and foremost control the narrative, and nothing is more of a threat to that control than an element as random as the psychic spectrum. It lets the light in at different points in different wavelengths for different durations, which makes it impossible to control. The narrative. I wasn't sure I was following her. I needed coffee. Marina was already in fourth gear, and I was still fiddling with the parking brake. You're wondering about the narrative, aren't you? she asked. There really is no point in telling her how much I hate it when she does that. So I just nodded. He who controls the world must first control the narrative, she said with the confidence of a tenured professor. Rousseau told us the way to do that is to control the culture. Force can only go so far in controlling someone. You can't use it to control an entire population if you hope to maintain that control for long. So you control the narrative. And you do that with politics, religion, and education. The last thing I needed was a discussion about politics from the 15-year-old daughter of a woman who runs an escort service when she's not driving a bus. So I told her to skip the politics and explain how religion and education have been used. No can do, she shook her head. The three are so intertwined anymore, it's not possible to talk about any of them independent of the other two. Besides, now that the old one is calling the shots, you might as well just refer to all of it as the opposition, because all of it is being used against us. Us who, I ask? The living.
I don't know why I was expecting a hero's welcome. It was late by the time we turned up the driveway to the house of Fantods. The house was dark. Darker than I expected, even at this hour. Marina had managed to book an extended stay in one of the rooms for me through her Airbnb app, but we decided to wait until morning for me to announce my arrival. Still, what harm could it do to get out and stretch my legs strolling around the grounds? I quickly learned just what harm it could do. The fog was so thick I lost sight of the bus in just three footsteps. At the same time I lost sight of the front porch of the house. As I stood in the thick of it, trying to orient myself with something, anything other than sight, I felt an intangible something brush up against my shoulder, and with it a soft chuckle came from what seemed the bowels of the earth beneath my feet. <laughs> I called for Marina and her mother, but there was no response. I couldn't even hear the bus engine idling. I was as alone as I knew Simone was inside that house only without the bitterness, which I hoped meant my daemon was strong enough to hold off whatever evil entity might be lurking in this fog. But since the first encounter with the unknown came at shoulder height, I was focusing all my attention on that, so I didn't notice the first tentacle that wrapped around my ankle until I tried to take a step toward the large patch of darkness looming directly ahead. I was assuming it was possibly the porch entrance. That assumption was about to be proven wrong, and quite possibly deadly. <laughs> I couldn't see the second tentacle wrap around the other leg. I could only feel it and when I heard the chuckle for the second time, my blood chilled at what came just after it. There was a second sound in response, one I knew all too well. Where was Marina with all her wise-for-her-age insight? Where was her mother? This would be a great time for a Karen to demand to see the manager. Or just the front porch light. I'd settle for any light right about now. But with no other obvious choice, I lurch forward toward that looming patch of dark and instantly feel it envelop me in a sticky gloom that drips a concentrated bitter hopelessness into my pores. A place of such darkness all memory of light has disappeared from my thoughts. The warm, sticky sensation of bitter water begins to pool around my feet and lap hungrily at my ankles. I don't know what has trapped me, 
and I'm not sure I care. This embrace is perfect in its limitless darkness. It's quickly becoming my everything, and I'm not sure I even care if I find a way out. Everything has been leading me to this moment, this darkness, this perfect, perfect nothingness laced with traces of sweet bitterness. Sticky and sweet, it's my everything now. It's worming its way into my being, and I am become the very essence of bitterness. Marina and her mother had expected to meet with resistance from the house, but what they weren't expecting was to be sitting inside the Abuela Express watching me disappear into a black hole of dark energy within moments of arriving at the House of Phantods. And I don't really care if they've got a clue about how to pull me out. It wasn't the first time they'd encountered the opposition doing what it does best, nor was it the first time they'd gotten a glimpse of the dark energy army at work. But it was the first time they'd seen them in a collaboration up close and personal. Their first thought was to rush to my side and wrestle with the demons like the paladins they are. Their next thought came when they discovered they couldn't open the bus door, retreat, and come up with a plan. But as tentacles appeared in the windows of the Abuela Express, worming their way around the entire bus as though it was little more than a child's plaything, that thought, too, was replaced with the urgent need to simply stay alive. <laughs>